You're listening to Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Now, from the heart of Amish country, here's Troy and Howie. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Please like us on Facebook, where you can click the anchor link to leave us a voicemail. You can follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH. You can even email the show at StayTunedTNH at gmail.com. You can find our merchandise at tchip.com and by searching Stay Tuned. A big thank you to Jesus Perez for helping to set that up for us. And if you need any artistic help, you can look him up on Facebook at Ace in the Hole Signs and Graphics or Dirty Baby Original. And his website is aceintheholesigns.com. We are available on all major podcast platforms, including Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So please make sure to share, subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate your support. Now, let's get into the show. Hey, good morning, everyone, and uh, welcome to another week of uh, Stay Tuned with Troy and Howie. Uh, at least uh, in regards to our pre-show and post-show uh, today, uh, it will be uh, without Troy, as Troy is enjoying some uh, due time off on his vacation. And uh, but with that being said, uh, you know we do have a very uh, interesting show that uh, Troy was a part of as well, and uh, we will be uh, interviewing uh, Leanne Hall. And uh, Leanne Hall has. Uh, uh, a definite uh, special special message, I should say, when it comes to uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, in fact, what we all should be talking about. Uh, as you know, or some of you may know, uh, this month is uh, National Suicide Awareness, uh, National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, and uh, and Leanne Hall has uh, uh, a foundation called the Sunshine foundation and it is in honor of her uh 16 year old son who she had uh, tragically lost to suicide and uh she she goes around and, and i'm i'm not gonna bore you with all the details because i want you to hear it straight from her mouth uh, she's got such an interesting story and uh, one that i think uh will you will find interesting but also i want you folks to really pay attention uh to uh, things that we talk about, you know, including the warning signs of suicide, uh, things that we can just look out for and also be aware of. And uh, and I know I've said this in the interview, but, you know, one of the things that we should all be doing, you know, because we all have social media out there, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, whatever it may be, um, you know, just just go out there and look and and check out your friends and make sure they're OK, you know, because I guarantee you can go on to uh somebody's site and you're going to find that somebody's not feeling the greatest right now and uh, why not just send them a message and and see if they're okay you know uh, especially in these times think about that you know with covid and everybody quarantining um you know they're, they're quarantining which means they are away from loved ones that means they're isolated or they're withdrawn you know pay attention to those things so uh so yeah so it's going to be quite the um you know, being that it's without Troy, we're going to do this a little bit uh, shorter uh, version of a pre-interview. Uh, but uh, I want to go to our mystery clip. And our mystery clip this week is also in relation to uh, what we're going to be talking about today. So without further ado, let's play this week's mystery clip. 
All right, and uh, this week's mystery clip, and uh, those of you who grew up in the 90s or even in the 80s, like myself, uh, I was a huge fan of this uh, group as they uh, made their breakthrough in the 90s. They were kind of, the, in my opinion, one of the original uh, Seattle grunge band uh, type of uh, groups. And uh, that was, uh, you were listening to Nirvana with uh, lead singer Kurt Cobain. And uh, the reason why I wanted to play that because, uh, well, Kurt Cobain and his story kind of plays in line with uh, what you're going to hear from uh, Leanne in regards to talking about suicide and and her and her foundation. So, uh, but Kurt Cobain, uh, obviously, he uh, he was the frontman of Nirvana. He was a huge legend in the '90s uh, with albums Nevermind and In Utero. Uh, he started his garage band Nirvana in 1988, by the way, and uh, he got. Uh, he made that leap to a major label in 1991. He signed with uh, Geffen Records. And, uh, yeah, in 1993, the album In Utero was released. And uh, it made it to the top of the music charts. On April 5th, 1994, unfortunately, in his guest house behind his Seattle home, um, Kurt Cobain took his own life uh, via a gunshot wound. And uh, we lost uh, a great legend, great talent way too soon, just like anybody who uh, takes their own life, uh, you know, gone way too soon. So, uh, but anyways, yes, that was uh, Kurt Cobain of Nirvana. He was born in 1967, died in 1994. So gone way, way, way too soon. But anyways, uh, with that being said, folks, uh, you know, we're going to go and jump right into our uh, next interview, but I want to uh, take a quick break and uh, we'll be right back with Leanne Hall right after this message. All right. Well, another week of uh, another great interview and uh, this week is no exception. And uh, Troy, I'm going to introduce you to uh, Leanne Hall and uh, Leanne Hall um I, I met, I don't know, how many years ago was it that you, was it just a couple years ago? I think it's been three or four. Oh my gosh. Um, I think it's been a little while. Okay. Yeah. You made your way up into uh, central Pennsylvania and spoke at, uh, well, in fact, I think you spoke at all the Lebanon County high schools. And, right. uh, and some of the junior highs as well. Even I even spoke to a fifth and sixth grade class. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh and first of all, I'd like you to meet Troy. Troy is uh, my Hi, partner in crime. Hi, Troy. <laughs> nice to meet you. You too. Thank you for all you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, Leanne, by the way, I- I'm assuming you're in uh, Arizona right now? Correct. Yep. Okay. Phoenix, Arizona. I'm sorry, what part? Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, okay. I've heard of that place. <laughs> it's dang hot. <laughs> <laughs> How hot is it? Well, we're actually going to, we've had 48 days this summer, over 110, so we broke records, and we may possibly still get to be 110 tomorrow, so it's been pretty grueling this summer, and I'm oh very unusual. It's like all the rest of 2020, it's been <laughs> one for the books. Yeah, that's for sure, When you and when you say hot, are you talking dry heat or humidity? 
No, it's pretty dry. Okay, it's well, not that's like good. Houston or someplace like that, so it, it is pretty dry. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's the one thing I heard about out west is that when it gets hot, at least the humidity is not usually with it, so yeah. it makes it a little bit more bearable. I don't know. We we uh, hang out around one twenty some days, so it's. Uh, Oof. Ah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So, uh, so Leanne, tell us a little bit about yourself and, uh, in, in regards to like the foundation that you have and, and, uh, and the work that you do. In fact, the reason why I wanted to invite you is, well, because of this month in general, uh, is, uh, suicide awareness month, I guess, um, I guess is the official title. It's called suicide prevention awareness yes. month and actually, World Suicide Day is September 10th, and then World and then Suicide Week is the 8th through the 14th. But the whole month is designated as Suicide Awareness Prevention, mm-hmm. Suicide Prevention Awareness. Okay, and uh, and you and you run what is called the um, what foundation? Andy Cole's Sunshine Foundation. Okay, so, yeah, yeah so- and so we, you know, I started this in 2000 right after my youngest son andy who was 16 and he died by suicide in december of 2012 and so i started this foundation gosh within the first four months after he passed and Mm -hmm. i started speaking at high schools and military bases and we've done a lot of work all over the country to try to raise awareness on healthy coping skills how to manage grief and loss and Mm -hmm. and uh, depression yeah. So that in hopes we can prevent suicide. Sure. And uh, and you said you started it uh, only four months after. Yeah, um, I actually spoke at Andy's high school four months oh my after gosh. he passed. So about wow. 3,000 kids and all of the administration. It was, it was uh, I mean, I know that I'm definitely called to do this and I think the reason from the beginning was I really didn't want, it didn't start out with the view that I have now about what I wanted to accomplish. What I wanted then was for Andy's life to not be defined by mm-hmm. how he died, but rather how he lived. And what could we learn from that? What could we learn from such an amazing, happy kid and how this could happen to him? Yeah. How could we take that and make something from that? That was my goal then. Okay. And, and you said uh, not how he lied. What do you mean by that? Not how he not how he died. Oh, died. I'm sorry. Okay. Gotcha. Not how he lived and not by that that day. I yeah, didn't want yeah. his life to be defined by that one, one moment. And that's really what I tell people now who are living. Don't, don't let your life be defined by this one painful moment that you're experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Which seems so overwhelming and, and uh, so unbearable because right. it it will change. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is when you started Andy Hall Sunshine Sunshine Foundation, and I was doing a little bit of research. And uh, the reason you came up with the sunshine was because that was uh, what a lot of his friends called him, correct? Right, it is, and, and that's what's even more amazing. How could someone who's called Sunshine, how could he die by suicide? You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, just real quick, throw it at the beginning of the, uh, beginning of the episode here, we'll throw it out. It's andysunshine.com. And, uh, what do you guys do on that website there? Well, we, you know, we did more before than we can do right now because we are so heavily tied with the schools. So we have really three 
entities that we work in, and one is, of course, my presentations, and the main focus of my presentations is to teach healthy coping skills to, to really raise some awareness on what are some of the triggers, what are some of the signs that can lead someone to suicidal ideation or just deep depression, and then what are some of the things that we can do to help take us across that bridge to a healthier place. And so that's what my presentations talk about. And then we also have our Camp You Matter, which is now going to be a 15-week curriculum, and it will be, it, it is an outdoor, it's an indoor wilderness curriculum. Mm. Um, and it's designed for third to eighth graders. So it's for the younger kids so that they can, you know, begin that process of developing healthy skills and it's a social it's an SEL program so we're really excited about that I mean mm -hmm. there's a tent inside the classroom and pine trees I mean it is really like going camping oh, inside the classroom because we've learned so much from nature and from mm -hmm. being outside and then we have our sunshine readers which is a volunteer reading program where we connect adults with even younger kids and we start with kindergartners to third graders and begin that instilling them with understand you know helping them to understand that they matter that's our core message is you matter whether it's mm -hmm. delivered through sunshine readers camp you matter or my presentations it's that you matter and and how do you how do you talk to a, a group of kindergartners on the subject of suicide well, we absolutely don't. We we don't speak about suicide at all. Mm -hmm. And when we hand out wristbands, our You Matter wristbands, those for the younger kids, they don't even have our website on them. Okay. Because we don't want Googling or having that conversation. It is really just right. to help them feel connected with someone else to let them know that, gosh, Someone has, yeah, someone's right. wanting to connect with me. I must be valuable. I must be important. Yeah. And, uh, and when you, when you go into the schools and, and I know, I know you kind of came across a little bit of this in our area, but when you go into the schools, how much, uh, how much flack do you get from administrators or teachers in regards to be careful what you talk to our kids about and, uh, and, and, and to me, and, I, and I'm asking you this because in my opinion, I feel like um, how we are saying this can actually drive the stigma that, that can uh, be associated with suicide or any mental health concerns. But what do you say to the teachers and, and anybody really uh, that say, don't say too much because I don't want you putting the idea in their head? Well, it is district by district so I mean I've had people I had a um, social worker in South Carolina and she flew me there to speak to the fifth and sixth graders mm -hmm. and seventh and eighth graders and I said what do you want me to say or what do you not want me to say because that I'm very concerned about making sure that I I play by their rules okay and because I want to be invited back I want to have whatever conversation I can have sure. and she said and I've scoured your website you can say everything to our fifth and sixth graders that you say to the high schoolers because I guarantee you they are already talking about it themselves mm -hmm. and if yeah. we don't address it as an adult then they are left without any accurate information any responsible um, conversations they're not able to have them with an adult because they're too afraid. So they're having these these other conversations that don't generate anything positive except mm -hmm. fear and misinformation. 
Yeah, definitely. So, so how often are you, and, and I guess COVID aside right now with everything going on, but, but normally how often are you uh, on the road and going from place to place, city to city, state to state? Probably, probably once a month out of the state and wherever I go, like whatever, let's say that I'm invited just like I did in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. So what started is let's, Hey, let's have you speak to one school. Then it was use me while I'm here and Mm -hmm. let's make the most of it. And other social workers will hear about it and they reach out to each other. So usually I'm really there for a full week. Okay. wherever I'm at to to make the most of my visit and to, ha- to have whatever impact I can possibly have. Mm-hmm. And I continue to do a lot of work here. And now, you know, I am still doing a lot of Zoom meetings. And mm-hmm. it, has, it has progressed from the schools to, to the construction industries, to mm-hmm. businesses, because the suicide rate in construction it's actually the number one cause of death it in is. the construction industry yeah so they're actually willing now to address that and i'm really i'm excited about that so i love being able to talk to these guys because that's my background mm-hmm. i owned a construction company for 28 that, years so. that's actually very surprising to me i would not have guessed that yeah. what do you think leads to that well a lot of things um men Predominantly construction is um, men in that industry and men are, are, and boys are much more predisposed or likely to complete suicide than girls or women are. Mm-hmm. So just that of itself, there's a lot more alcohol and drugs with, mm-hmm. in the construction industry and with men. And if we're talking in the industrial construction, these men, like my husband, was away from home for a long period of time. And they're on these industrial construction sites. They're away from their families. There's a sense of loneliness. They add alcohol to that. And wham. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I know you just recently uh, lost your husband, by the way. And uh, I'm, oh, so sorry I'm sorry. To, so, so sorry to hear that as well. And uh, I actually you. got to meet him. He was a really nice guy and uh, fun to talk with. Really wonderful guy. 40 years of marriage. Wow. I mean, I, I'm very thankful that we had that. So, yeah. So, so what, yeah, I didn't think I was going to have to go through another trauma, but uh, yeah. here we are, you know. And, and yeah. I guess that's um, my next question because, you know, um, I mean, you're so resilient and you're so strong. You know, what do you think contributes to you being able to continue pushing forward even though you've encountered the things that you have in recent years? You know, before Andy passed, and it'll be eight years this December, I had some tools to begin with. Mm -hmm. And that allowed me to at least survive the initial trauma and shock. And then I was really, really passionate about finding lots of other coping tools and adding them into my toolbox. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read 80 books the first year after Andy passed. Oh 80. And it's not easy to read. You guys, you know this. You know that trauma, it's difficult to focus. It's difficult to concentrate. And I hear mm-hmm. all those excuses. Mm-hmm. Oh, Leanne, I can't read because it's too hard. Well, it was hard for me too. Mm-hmm. But I knew that I wasn't going to survive unless I gathered some more information. And so... For the next, the first three years after Andy passed, I really, 
I looked and I, I worked hard on my mental health. It was not a passive process. Mm-hmm. I really worked at it. And so now it's, it's been three and a half months since I lost Clay. Mm-hmm. And in some senses, you know, I, I have all the tools. Mm-hmm. I, I, know, I know what to do. That doesn't change the pain and the shock of grief and loss. Sure, absolutely. What it does do is it, it, because I've done this before, I have hope, and I understand that this, with doing the right things, it's not going to just pass all by itself. I still have to be an active participant on my, in my, for my mental health mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make sure that I'm doing the right things to move me forward eventually. Yeah. Okay. That had to be um, especially trying to lose him during this COVID process too, because I don't know what your restrictions were um, out there, but like out in this area where we live, like it, limited amount of people's at the service, and um, I, I don't know what all the regulations were out your way, but that probably made it even more difficult. You know, we had a the whole experience was very, very bizarre. I mean, he passed on the night of our 40th anniversary that oh night. Oh my gosh! After we had this magnificent, we danced out around the fireplace, mm-hmm. and he he passed peacefully, no reason in the middle yeah. of the night. So, and it happened to be in that little window. Do you remember when COVID kind of took everybody thought it was better and yeah. And so, it was during that two-week window, and I had I was able to have a service for him, and there were hundreds oh. of people that came to his oh service. My gosh. I was very lucky that I was able to do that and um, process his loss in a formal way like that, mm. which I'm I know is helpful. Yeah, we need the I mean, ceremonies. We do. We rely upon ceremonies. It really helps it's close for a yeah. lot. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Um, what. I mean, it sounds like he couldn't have went out on better terms, though. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? I Celebrating that anniversary with you and, uh, you know, all that love that was there at that time. Um, are, are you willing, I, I don't know how much you're willing to divulge information about um, going back to your son. Anyway. You didn't notice You didn't notice anything at the time, obviously. Um, but now that you, I read that you looked back at it and that you did see signs that you just didn't know about at that time. Right. Uh, and th- that's correct. And I worked really hard to make sure that I don't, I don't blame myself because I, I just, you know, most of us just aren't equipped or knowledgeable to those types of signs, but they were very, they were some pretty specific ones but I really attributed them to normal teenage angst. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. And we are told time and time again, especially when kids enter high school. You know, I remember sitting in that freshman auditorium and, and teachers and administrators telling me, don't be a helicopter parent. And I tell people now, you better be a helicopter parent because no one else is doing it for your kid. You are mm-hmm. the only advocate for your kid and better to err on the side of, hovering <laughs> than wish I had or wish I should have. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the signs with Andy, he had, he actually voiced, he passed on a Monday and he, we were out at an Eagle Scout ceremony on a Saturday night and we were driving along carefree highway, like the song from driving along carefree highway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, to be my age. No, no, no. I know what you're talking about. I don't know the song, but I've heard the lyrics. I'll be honest, okay. I have not, so you, you lost me. <laughs> the ego, look it up. Okay, 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 okay. I will do that. That's probably why I know it then. Okay. Yeah. So he said to me, as we were, just casually, so I mean, it's dark. We're driving down the freeway. He's happy. Things, there's no trauma going on. And he said, you know, Mom, if I go before you, I want it to be a celebration. And what I heard was because I we were very involved with our church, and so I heard it from my faith-based ears rather than um, any kind of alert. I heard, oh, he knows he's going to heaven. So he knows he wants this to be wants me not to be sad. I didn't hear that as an alert. I heard it as, I have so much faith, Mom. I know I'm going to heaven. And that's not what uh-huh. he was saying. He was telling me goodbye. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was very, you know, I tell parents, listen, listen to the subtleties because our kids don't generally come out and say, hey, I'm thinking about suicide. They say those other, they say and do other things. Now, his was um, actually reported to the FDA that his suicide was caused by the Accutane that he was taking. Mm -hmm. And that I did, again, as a parent, I signed the waiver that, and I even had to initial where it said suicide, psychosis, and depression are potential side effects. And I initialed there mm-hmm. because Andy was sunshine. And right. I thought, oh, well, that just that, that applies to someone else's kid. Exactly. Already maybe depressed or moody or whatever that is, not my mm-hmm. happy kid. Mm-hmm. But it impacted his ability, his mental process to... So they was challenged processing normal things that teenagers go through, and he wasn't able to do that because of the impact of that drug. So what, what do you what do you think was the, the final breaking point in his mind? His was a breakup with a girlfriend, hmm. Hmm. and he hmm. just didn't see that there was his heart was broken. He was bullied by some kids the Friday before he passed in association with that girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, and he was being bullied by a teacher at school, and then that oh, was impacting his ability. And he had a lot of pressure because he was being scouted as a professional baseball player. So he had a lot of scouts from Annapolis. And, I mean, that coach was calling him every week, wanting mm-hmm. to know what his GPA and ERA was. So yeah. lots of pressure on a 16-year-old kid, disappointments, sadness, impact of a drug, and all of those really came together for the perfect storm. And he, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he didn't know what to do with that. He wasn't capable and, of processing And correct me if I'm wrong, but that, that uh, the drug was for an acne, for acne. That's all, that's all it was. Yeah, yes. that's, yeah. that's a prescription that's, drug for acne. That's crazy. And so I, you know, whether I'm talking to adults or kids, I tell people, if you look at most of our, we become immune to the um, side effects because the warning labels are so long now with every yeah. drug. Yeah. So it's we, almost a, yeah, yeah. It's, it's almost a running joke when you see the commercials on TV, like, right. oh my gosh, I think I'd rather just deal with what I have than all those side effects. Right. You know? So to personalize it, put someone's face and realize that because those precautions are there because they impacted someone. Mm-hmm. And what if that someone is you or your family member? And that's what you always have to, to weigh. Right. And, and have, you, have you done any like speaking engagements with manufacturers of companies like Accutane and, 
and uh, other places that might have that side effect, but they still produce the product. You know, and Accutane is no longer produced um, in, in Accutane form. It is now produced only in generic form because of all the lawsuits. And the Supreme Court has banned any lawsuits against generic drug manufacturers. So that's oh how they my. get around that. Get out. Isn't that so, something? Uh, my attorney has told me not to do that. Um, and really, there's so much work elsewhere to do. I don't need to take on the pharmaceutical. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that would be a handle. Yes, that'd be a pretty hefty battle. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I warn, I tell people my story and how it impacted me in the worst possible way and hope that you take from that what you can and mm -hmm. learn from it. And uh, that's all, and all I, I can do. Yeah, definitely. And I'm guessing... And I'm guessing when you go to the speaking engagements, and specifically when you're talking to the kids, not only are you hoping that if they're having issues that they can't uh, figure out how to deal with, that they might be able to speak to somebody, but I think you're also probably talking to the kids that might be bullying and pushing the kids to a certain extent that makes them feel that way. Are, is, are you trying to hit both ends there? Oh, gosh. You know, I, tell, I do tell people the story of the two boys that bullied Andy the Friday before he passed. And I, I said, you know, those kids weren't, they're not bad boys. Mm -hmm. They certainly didn't mean for Andy to take his life. They sure. never thought that that would happen. So I asked them to pull out their phones and I, I, I want them to, to look. What's the last thing you've said to someone? Can you be accountable for it if they take their life and the last thing that they read or heard was something you said? Yeah. You be accountable for that. So I, that's what I try to tell the kids is those boys, one of them attempted to take his life after Andy did. Because mm. He knew that he, did he cause Andy to do that? No. Did he contribute? Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. And they know that. They have to live with that. And that's like when I went back to that question when I was asking what was the breaking point. Like um, there might be other things building up inside of them. But they might get that one little last text message or picture or funny thing that, that well, somebody thinks is funny. And um, that might be that one thing that pushes them past that then. And it might be something small, but it might be just enough to add on to that. Right. And, we, we don't know what's going on in someone else's life. We never do. And so you always have to, to think and, and to stop and personalize things. Yeah. And you know what, um, Leanne, when you had mentioned about the uh, the bullying and such, that actually reminded me. I got to speak with uh, Sue Klebold, uh, who was uh, Dylan's mother from Columbine. And uh, and while speaking with her, um, it, you know, it um, there were some similarities eerily based on what you were just saying. Uh, she was telling me that um, kids in the school would – almost on a daily basis, squeeze mustard and ketchup packets on Dylan's and obviously the other kid's shirt every single day. And, uh, and, and Sue was saying that, you know what, my, my kid came home every single day and I looked at that shirt and I was like, oh, boys will be boys, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. We accept that. Unfortunately, we've given excuses to all kinds of behaviors, um, and we just, I was talking with a lady today and she said, you know, I don't remember all of this happening when, when we were young. Mm -hmm. Did we ever hear about anybody dying by suicide when I was growing up? No. No. Um, 
So what's the difference now? Because I do know that we, I was bullied in school. Mm -hmm. There was bullying that went on. Are, are we just so, do we just lack resilience now? Do we just lack that ability to see that there is something beyond and to have hope? Are, are we, are we, do we, do our kids not have any hope? And maybe that's the difference because I, I'm not sure I want to blame it all on the bullying anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what? Hey, my kid, I yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I don't think that was a I mean, I would never think that was a situation with your son. I mean, you know, it, it sounded like he was very loved at home and he was very supported. And uh, and he obviously was very talented when it came to baseball. Um, but I think and this is something that I've always gathered uh, or I've always noticed, especially kids from inner cities, for example, uh, they would they would get the story of growing up from let's just say from kindergarten up until sixth seventh eighth grade uh, they would be asked hey what do you want to do when you grow up and their answer was I want to play pro baseball I want to be a cop I want to be a lawyer whatever it is and but the response was always encouraging it's like right. you know what you should go after those dreams. You should do that if that's what you want. Now all of a sudden they get to ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth grade, and they are asked that same question. And if those kids provide that same answer, it's a different response. The response right. is usually, you know what, you you should probably start being a little more realistic about your life and and don't think that you're actually going to become that. You know, you should start setting your sights on working at a factory, for example, as opposed to setting your sights higher. Well, and it's, it's interesting that you said that because one of the, I would tell you that the first thing that helped me after Andy passed was all of the ingrained training that I had as a young person that I was able to regurgitate mm -hmm. in my head. You know, some of the turn your scars into stars and, and some of the Zig Ziglar. I mean, I read Zig Ziglar. There were lots of motivational, inspiring people that had given me that as a young person so that when I did face those crisis moments, mm -hmm. I didn't have to find them. They were already in there. And that's what we're trying to do with our Camp You Matter and some of those things is instill, re, like rebuild, help them to dream, help these kids to dream and plan. And one of the things I really tell, this is my pet peeve. I come out and I tell people, you know what, your teachers and everybody, they're also focused on helping you to succeed. Mm -hmm. I am here to prepare you to fail. Because failure is so important, it's uh -huh. necessary, and be prepared for it. Plan for failure and how you're going to handle the failure. Yeah. What are your so really planning instead of all these plan to succeed and all of those? Those are important, but we also have to teach our kids and, and people that failure is okay. It's not the end of the world. Right, and we and we still live in that society right now where. Uh, we almost want things handed to us and we don't want to put the effort into achieving that. And, and we do live in that society where, you know, everything's so accessible right now. And right. Uh, instant, yeah. instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and I think people are losing sight of reality in, in some cases, you know, when it comes to that. 
I was sitting, I don't know if you read what I wrote here recently, but I was sitting out at the beach. This I was at San Diego this last week. I got to spend a week there. And, you know, after just losing my husband and, and, mm-hmm. and I'd lost my mom, I'm an only child a few years ago. Oh, and right. Andy, so I've had in eight, eight years, I've had a lot of loss. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there looking at the beach, waiting for an epiphany, waiting for that healing to come. As I was sitting there, and waiting for peace, waiting, 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 waiting for Godot, you know? Right. And I, what I reminded myself is that the epiphany is in the waiting, mm. that we have forgotten how to wait as a society, as a people, and that a lot of, and I'm not saying that my healing is just waiting because I'm having to be active during that as well, but I have to be patient through the process and be persistent mm-hmm in that so patience is certainly necessary waiting and not not thinking that there's a drug out there that's going to fix me or a a drink or a relationship or something there is no fix right for a lot of the pains that we have the losses the the sadness that we experience and understanding that that and people like you said they they don't know that that it's not going to be instant we Mm -hmm. have to be patient for the healing Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, the generation we're in right now is a very um, satisfy-me-now type generation. Like, whatever it is, like, uh, oh, I don't know what the sports score is. Let me look it up real quick. Like, even something like that. <laughs> you know, even back when I was a kid, which, I mean, you know, that's 30 years ago now. Um, you know, you couldn't do that. You had to wait for the paper or you had to whatever, you know, wait for the, hear the score on the radio or something like that. And it's, it's totally different. Even something like that, simple, you know, it. Everything is just, you know, what what can you do to please me right now, you know? Yeah, sitting in my grief and being comfortable with it to a certain extent, uh, I have learned to do that. I've learned to sit alone mm-hmm. and, and and cry when I need to and, and know that there's a, you know, there, I'm not going to wallow in it. I can't sit there too long, right. but I do have to allow myself that space to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm, I guess, comfortable in it to a certain extent. doesn't mean it feels good. It does not feel good. So there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Okay? Absolutely. I like the way I feel. It feels terrible. Right. But I'm comfortable in understanding that this is a necessary part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously, you know, you, you talk about suicide prevention, suicide prevention awareness, and so on. Uh, how, how close, if at all, did you feel like you might have been at that breaking point oh well i've sat in my garage wanting to close the garage door um mm-hmm. and just leave the truck running i wanted to drive over off the bridge I, i've been very close many times mm-hmm. and for me and that's not the case for everyone so for just because i'm able to process this doesn't mean someone else would right so you have to know yourself for me, it was enough for me to understand that this is to legitimize that this is how terrible I felt, mm-hmm. and it actually empowered me that then I could choose to not do that. Okay. So was was were these feelings after he had lost Andy? Yeah, I yeah. I can tell you I'd never thought that before, and for the first three years I thought it constantly, and for I had did have someone I was able to verbalize that with mm-hmm. and call and say, this is what I'm feeling today. And so I had that close person that I could be really honest with who would sit with me in that space and 
And I've had people that have showed up at my house because they felt like, gosh, I, I think I need to be there for her. And I've appreciated that, but they haven't um, thought that I'd be okay just because I run a suicide foundation. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. You know, the head so you were, of- so you were actually having these feelings while you're in the midst of running the foundation. Yes. Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. And so I think that helped me, though. It helped me in being able to convey. People knew that I I was real about what I was saying, that I wasn't Mm -hmm. talking out of a book, Mm -hmm. book knowledge that I got. First of all, I had already lost someone, and I know what this feels to be right on the edge. So I know how difficult it is to reach out and ask for help when you're really so far underwater. We've, we've done a few shows, and not necessarily about suicide, but just especially when when we first started really doing this podcast, it was right around the time COVID was really getting hot, mm-hmm. and uh, we've a couple times mentioned the uh, the number and how we brought it to my attention that it's not just for suicide. Uh, it, it's for all kinds of mental health issues, even if you're just dealing with some anxiety or whatever. Um, I don't know if maybe Hallie or, or Leanne, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but if you guys just want to drop that number out there real quick while we're in the midst of talking about this, it might be a good spot for it. Sure. It's uh, 800-273-TALK or 8255. And uh, um, but yeah. yeah, I just think that's good to keep to throw out there every once in a while. And Howie, I don't, maybe we should make a point of throwing that in every show if we can at some point. Yeah, I don't see well, why. Um, and also the text line is a big one too. Um, it is. And, and I will say that those, what people need to understand is that that moment can be intervened that just in the flash just like that i can go from thinking that if i have the right tool to get me across that bridge to be over to a different place Mm -hmm. it doesn't take away the pain but it takes away that impulse Mm. that feeling right and so it can be averted okay and that quickly it's yeah, not yeah. like even, and then you can sit back and go, gosh, I can't, I can't believe I was thinking that way. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. that quick. It's that instant that someone can help someone else. And, it's and just I, like all them chemicals in your brain just get to that certain point and it pushes you to that point where you think you're going to do it. And then right. just talking to somebody just for that, maybe that split second is enough just to pull you out of that. Yeah, yeah. so that you can go get help. Right. So just like, just like you were saying there. Yeah, and just like you were saying there, it might be enough just you know to get that. What was I thinking? Why was I even thinking that? Right. And then you need to deal with the the bigger reason of how you got there. Right. right. Where, where is it coming from? Right. So true. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, and as you know, Leanne, or or I don't know if you do know this, but I I actually do uh, teach mental health first aid as well as uh, QPR, which is question, persuade, refer, which is a suicide prevention uh, class. And, um, and I always get the, I always get the question of, you know, why, why do we even do something like this? Because we, I, I just think, uh, I just think suicide is just something that is, it's going to happen no matter what. And, and I always get that question for some reason that they, people always think that, once someone makes that decision, it's automatic. They're just going to do it. And and I always try to tell them, it's like, no, it's not like that at all. It's, it's really, 
it, it really comes down to I've never, you know, and I've worked crisis and out of the, the couple thousand people that I've seen that have had, you know, suicide tendencies, I've never met one person that ever said that they wanted to kill themselves. You know, yeah. but what I did meet was every single person who was feeling like they wanted to take their own life. Every single person wanted their pain to end. Exactly. That's it. They just yeah. want the pain. To stop. They, so, they're not thinking about their life ending. No, they're thinking about stopping the pain, whatever that looks like. Right. And, and I actually, um, you know, and you don't know this about me either, but I've actually lost three cousins to suicide. Uh, I've lost a good friend. In fact, it'll be a year ago uh, this November, uh, you know, to suicide. And uh, and what was weird about it was, you know, I was talking to him and he was, you know, in fact, I knew he was having some issues with marriage and whatnot. And uh, and out of the blue, I thought, you know what, I'm going to go visit him and just see how he's doing and, and just make sure he's OK. And I pulled into his driveway. He's sitting on the porch step and uh I'm like, hey, how you doing? You know, and uh, just talking about old times and, you know, we're reminiscing and just just having a good laugh. He was as happy as can be. Four hours later, he killed himself. Yeah. You know, um, and it wasn't, you know, and he knew what I did for a living. It was something he easily could have talked to me about and we could have discussed and, and worked through. But he was so satisfied with his decision that it was and and this is why i say with wanting the pain to end uh he was so happy with that decision it was almost like taking the lid off of a boiling pot it just released all that steam and he came to terms with what he was going to do and it actually put him in a better mood yeah and uh then those are some of the those are some of the things that we got to look out for and and see in in regards to people and, and I always say this too, uh, we have such the best tool uh, in the world called social media. As much as it is a demise in many cases, it's also a great tool for us to look at and see how many times, and, and I, can, I can challenge everybody to look at their Facebook or whatever social media that they have and, and just scroll through all their friends. I guarantee you, you're going to find at least one person who is not happy with their life right now. And they're going yeah. to express it on social media. Um, why not reach out to those folks and ask them, hey, are you okay? Just want to make sure. I just want to let you know I'm in your corner. I think that's why I go to great lengths. I am actually one of the weird people that like social media as well. Okay. And I think it's a great tool. And so I have a big following. And so I use it in the sense of posting about like even my recent loss and, and what this is like so that people can actually, instead of fake Facebook, they get to see that I'm really experiencing pain mm -hmm. and I'm always in every post, I'm, I'm okay to, to be vulnerable and to show you that I'm either crying or really sad and to let you know, and this is what I'm going to be doing about it. Right. So that I give you a, I'm going to let you know that I'm vigilant about, making sure that I'm going to be okay and that I'm doing everything I can to move forward while being real with you so that you can maybe see you're not alone out mm -hmm. there in your pain. You could identify, oh, wow, she feels like I feel, and she's doing what now? She's going to go do what? Maybe that's something I can do. Or, you know, actually people then message me 
you know, I, man, I really appreciated your vulnerability and, and this is how bad I'm feeling so that we can talk then mm-hmm. on a more one-to-one level after the Facebook facade. Yeah. And, and I really took that to heart, um, even more because in the, in the recent past, um, you know, I had a friend who sent me a message, uh, on Facebook messenger and it was like 1130 at night. And, and the message simply said, I just want to let you know, you've been a good friend to me. And I'm like, Ooh, uh, what do you, you know? So I responded with, what do you mean by that? And, uh, her response was, Oh, don't worry about it. It'll all be fine by tomorrow morning. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, luckily she happened to be my neighbor at the time. So I literally ran, you know, I ran across the yard and, uh, and I knocked on the door and her dad answered and I said, Hey, I think so-and-so is having some concerns. And sure enough, she had cut both of her wrists and taken uh, two bottles of pills. And, uh, but, but what it allowed us to do was it, it gave us some type of window of rescue. And it was because of seeing something such as that message on social media and addressing it. Um, you know, we were able to make sure that her life was saved and, and she was able to be flown to the, the nearby hospital and and rescued and uh and she's been doing well ever since and this is you know several years later i do want to give uh one little tool about that one thing that someone can do because you happen to know that person but i had someone that was in georgia so long lived out of state i Mm -hmm. didn't know this person and they said hey i just watched one of your youtube videos and i just want you to i just want to thank you because it made the last hours of my life better and i thought Oh, marvelous. And so I said, I met, I personally messaged this person. I said, can you give me your phone number so that we can at least talk before you go? (laughs) They did give me the phone number. Now I did not call them because I'm not equipped to have that conversation with them to save someone's life in that sense. Sure. I called called the emergency number and they actually showed up at their house and I did see them back on Facebook about six months later, and I messaged this person privately <laughs> and said, I'm glad to see you're still here. Nice. And, you know, so that being able to get a phone number from someone if you can, yeah. so that you can alert the uh, authorities to go check on mm-hmm. them. Exactly. And not only uh, mm-hmm. know the number to the, you know, the suicide uh, text, or I'm sorry, the suicide hotline, but... Um, you know, also the text line, I think, is is a huge tool for especially high school age kids, college age kids. In fact, I always contend when I when I do some of these educations at colleges, I always try to push for them to place like, you know, you'll see signs at colleges saying if you need help, call police and so on and so mm-hmm. forth in the parking lots. I always contend. Why don't we have something for. Um, the crisis hotline numbers out mm-hmm. there in the parking lots. Yeah, yeah, the more the more places, the easier that it is to access. Because when you're in crises, it's really hard to to think beyond something that's easy. Right, and so yeah. it needs to be right in front of you so that you can use it readily. Yeah, definitely. And that and and once again, that text hotline number is seven four one seven four one. You know, you text those numbers and you will actually get in touch with a uh, crisis counselor and uh, and they can help you just like uh, like calling, you know, the uh, 800-273-TALK number. 
So you know something that's really important is people always like you said at the beginning of the of the conversation. You know, should we be having this conversation and talking about suicide? And that is one of the biggest objections. Is I don't want to put it in their head if they're not thinking about it. Mm-hmm. So why should I bring it up? I guarantee you, if you ask the question, you're not going to be putting it in their head. You yeah. may be saving their life. So by all means, ask the direct question. Are you thinking about hurting yourself? Are you thinking about suicide? Mm-hmm. That is a healthy way to help someone. Yeah, you know what, Leanne? I once I once did a, a, a speaking engagement at a, at a college of, I think it was like 50 or 60 students. And, uh, and I... When I approached that question, I, before I even got started, I said, I want everybody to raise their hands if they have ever heard of what suicide is and, and have heard of the word. Obviously, every single hand went up, and, mm-hmm. and, that's, and that was my point. It's like, you know what, guys? I cannot put the thought in your head. You already have it there. What I can do is put the thought that you have somebody that you can reach out to um, if you're feeling like you need help. And, and you want somebody to talk to and, and, and you know, converse about this, this ugly, I don't know, for lack of a better word, I guess, disease in a way. Yeah, you know? epidemic. Yeah, yeah. So, and obviously, you know, with COVID, um, you know, you're seeing numbers going up, not down. And, uh, and the isolation. Yeah, we, isolation we plays a huge role. Sure yeah. does. We connect with people. Mm-hmm. And, online is just not it's not enough no no and and you know what leanne on a brighter note um and i i want to kind of put this out there because um, i want to tell troy this because it really is kind of a small world because what what was the travel team that uh andy played on for baseball the summer ball well he played on several so he played on the dodgers travel team he played on um usba I believe it was the USBA team that went out to PA. Um, yeah. And uh, Troy, I believe, and I, I can't confirm this because I don't have the, the record books in my hand, but I almost believe our paths had crossed in the past because I used to be an umpire or not used to be. I'm an umpire that does a lot of these national travel tournaments. And I remember when you and I talked in the past, you had mentioned that your son played on that team and uh and i was like oh my gosh uh i bet you i bet you because i know i've umpired uh some of those games uh of that team and i i'd be willing to bet fun to watch yeah they they are yeah because those are those are nine groups of kids that all had a passion for baseball and, yeah, uh, Andy, I actually have a voicemail. I have seven that I've saved from him. Why okay. in the world I saved? And one of them is the most awesome voicemail. It says, you know, he says, hey, mom. He said, I, I just want to let you know that I, I want to do every flipping thing I can do to go pro. I don't know. <laughs> I just eat, breathe, and sleep baseball. I just love it. Okay, adios, love you. And he <laughs> And it's so amazing, this voicemail from him, how much he loved what he was doing. And what position did he play? He was a pitcher, left-handed pitcher. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, just being left-handed alone probably got Mm -hmm. him noticed, huh? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. And he was just so animated. You know, he was, he was, so he loved, I mean, that he was that kid that could 
bring the team together. When out, when the chips were down, he was out there. He was just just a cheerleader for. Mm-hmm. He, he had that I call it the um, uh, the zest for life. Yeah. You know, he really had a zest for life. Yeah, and obviously gone way, way, way too soon. You know, and uh, absolutely just doing my best to carry on for him and yeah. and save save lives through his yeah and uh i liked um i liked one of the um quotes i saw was uh, I, I don't know if you were listening to a song or um if you if, if the lyrics came to your head but it was i will praise you in this storm yeah and uh by casting crowns obviously um right. but w- was that something you were listening to when it came to you or was that just something that came in your head when when you were no those were the the two, that's what I was talking about, some of the tools that I had in advance. So, I mean, within probably two hours after, you know, I got up off the concrete after Andy passed. And when I made my way into the bathroom to, and I looked in the mirror to just reconcile that this had actually happened to me, what came out of my mouth were these two things. I said, I will praise you in the storm, and I'm not the first mom to lose a kid. And so what I knew was that I will praise you in the storm is that that's a decision, not an emotion. That's a decision of what I'm going to do and how I'm going to respond to my emotional process. That's not the emotional process. That's the decision. Mm-hmm. And that I'm not the first mom to lose a kid. What that helped me with is understand that I wasn't alone in my suffering because oftentimes we feel so isolated and that adds to our, our, our desperation, our despair. And by my recognizing all these other moms who had survived tremendous losses, I wasn't alone and that I could do this. And well, I, I guess that... Yeah, I mean, that's that's amazing that you were able to do that and, and, and have that mindset just hours after it happened. It's crazy. Um, yes. but, it, but it makes me, you're, when you started talking there, it made me think of something else. Um, when, when parents lose the child, a lot of times it does a lot of stress and damage to the marriage and the relationship. Yeah. Um, how, how, did, how did that go for you guys? Um, was, it, was it rocky at times or were, were you guys able to fight through that pretty well together? No, because our marriage was a decision too, just like my faith. Mm. So ours had always been the decision, and we knew that. Even the, our wedding song was, um, I could never promise you in just my strength alone that all my life I'd care for you and love you as my own. We knew that it was going to be more than just Clay and me together, that it was a threesome, okay. and that our marriage was based on something that was... Uh, much more than the emotional drama of day-to-day life. And so we weren't going to remake that decision ever, mm-hmm. no matter what. And so losing a child was just part of the journey. It wasn't a, a deal breaker, you know. Yeah. And we worked very hard to allow each other the grace and the space because we didn't process it at all similarly. Mm-hmm. I'm very outspoken. I talk my way through grief. I was out there, and my husband was very private, and he didn't want to talk about Andy. He he didn't want to. He didn't want to do that with me. So we both understood that right off that I was going to need to get my support, if you want to say, somewhere else other than my husband. And that didn't mean that I didn't love him, and that didn't mean that I didn't need him. It didn't change our change our marriage. It meant that. He wasn't going to be able to give me 
what I needed, and he and I couldn't give him because he didn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so we we respected each other's process until we could, um, as time went on, you know, he would be able to talk more about Andy, and I was able to do that more. And so we we could sense that with each other, and we we continued. We loved Andy. And, and I knew he was grieving as much as me, and, and that was that wouldn't serve any purpose. We have three other kids. Uh, that's another thing I was going to bring up. Well, a, a, with him being quiet and not really wanting to talk to it so much, did that have you worry about him at all? And B, did, did you, were you concerned with how the siblings were going to take it, like, and how they were going to process everything? Well, Yes. I mean, I mean, I worried about him as much as he worried about me. I mean, he was in North Dakota working at the first year afterwards, and I couldn't get a hold of him one night. Hmm. And that was very unusual. And so I was really because he had said something about he had verbalized to me that he would like to just drive down a slippery, icy North Dakota road in front of a semi, but he didn't want to, he didn't want the semi driver to have to live with that. But he was still verbalizing that that's how bad he felt. So you never know. So I called one of the guys. It was late at night, about 11 o'clock, and it was minus 50 that night. So it was snow, ice covered, and I called I called him and I said, I need you to go check on Clay. And he got out of his bed right away, and I said, I want you to go to the garage first, and I need you to see if he's in his truck and inside the garage. And we were both terrified. Mm-hmm. So... He wasn't, and he went and knocked on, finally got it into the apartment, and uh, Clay had just fallen asleep. But mm-hmm. so, yes, of course we did, and we were, you know, we addressed that is- issue as much as we could. Um, my oldest son attempted to take his life twice after Andy passed. He was mm-hmm. in the military, so um, I have two military boys, and it has been very difficult for them to process the grief within the confines of a military process sure. because while the military is saying we want to address suicide it's they do but they don't know how to do it because mm-hmm. if you do voice that it's going to impact your career it and does. until you can address that and let the mm-hmm. servicemen airmen and people know that they are safe to be able to talk about their grief and thoughts without it affecting their career they're not going to talk about it you're right it and comes across as weak right I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's part of the stigma. But also, um, I, I was teaching a suicide prevention class to a group of military folks in the past. And, uh, and at the end of the, um, the, uh, education, one of the military, uh, individuals came up to me and was like, you know what? I am suffering from depression and I have contemplated suicide. And you know what? I wish I could, but I can't talk about it because it would I would lose my clearances and I would right. lose my ability to carry a gun. Right. And uh and uh well, to manage that. That's a real challenge. That but is that's a challenge. the reason the suicide rate is so high in the military is because we don't know how to let them address it. Address yeah. it. Right. Well when you think and about it a perfect example of that. They yeah. both experienced that. So yeah. that's amazing. and when you're going now He's good. He's good. stable. He's hundred uh, percent disabled uh, for PTSD with the VA. So I'm actually no. his assigned caregiver. So I, I mean, I spent 
I spent two years trying to keep him alive. We were in every emergency facility mm. everywhere, and he finally mm. in a PTSD clinic in San Diego that gave him some additional tools, and um, and he's been stable now since two thousand seventeen. Okay. So, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. He lived with me and and um, manage a lot of stuff for him. Was the PTSD basically um, from Andy, or was it something else? Was he involved in any uh, wars or anything like that? Or yeah, he was uh, in the Persian Gulf when Andy died. Okay, uh, and so they flew out to get him, and um, so you can imagine how traumatic that oh is. Mm -hmm. And flew him home, and he was here for two weeks. That's it, and then they flew him back to active duty. Oh my! With no, no tools, no counseling, no nothing, and, no and time. he was nothing, and so you. It, it just by the time he did get out two years later, um, he didn't he didn't know how to process right. it, this, and so he started drinking and the and spiraled downwards mm -hmm. really bad. Hmm. Wow, uh, that that just solidifies just how strong you are, even as not only a mother but as as a wife. I mean, you know, the stuff that you endured, Leanne, and mm -hmm. uh, and continued to endure. And, it was and, horrible. It was terrible. It, it did traumatize gosh. me. It's still it's still traumatic for me to to think back to that. But um, mm -hmm. I I learned a lot about not enabling him and and separating enabling from loving him unconditionally, setting my boundaries. And so sure. that, it's really scary. It's really hard to do. But we did that. And I'm the only person that stood by him because it was really ugly. Mm -hmm. He lost a 10-year marriage. Um, mm. Just it, 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 was it was terrible. It sounds like it. It definitely sounds like it. So uh, that and another point that can be taken from this is um, – how, how many people, one person having these thoughts and feelings and maybe uh, getting to the point where they actually reflect and uh, act upon this, how many other people it affects? And it's amazing how many people it really does affect. Um, do, you, do you try to, do you try to kick that in when you're, when you're in your speaking engagements? Do you also try to maybe make that point as well? Always. And, and that impact can happen at a later date. So my oldest grandson is 20. And so he was just, 12 years old when Andy died and, and they were living, my grandkids were living with us. And so here it is. And we, he was in San Diego with me and he's just beginning the process of really articulating how that impacted him and how much it still triggers him. And, and, and he's not as equipped dealing with uh, breakups and those types of things because he says, he says, I'm still traumatized. So the effects can be so long-lasting and can be a long time before we oftentimes think that if someone's impacted, they're going to talk about it now. Mm -hmm. No, it could be tomorrow. It could be five years from now. That's the problem with when we have the repeat, you know, and I know how you know this about when they talk about clusters. Yep. And people, um, copycat suicides and stuff like that, because we think we've managed it right then. Mm -hmm. And when the reality is, it can be a year or years on down the road before the impact is finally expressed, either in a positive, healthy way or in a negative way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. 
So, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, just all predisposed to it. And I, and I do recognize that we talk about that. My grandkids are all predisposed. Mm -hmm. We all are because of that. So, so Leanne, um, let's just say you have that magic wand Mm -hmm. and that magic wand could end the act of suicide right now. What do you think it's going to take for that? that nasty epidemic as you call it um to end i like what did what i mean obviously you're you're going out and you're speaking about it and you're making everybody aware of it but what do you think it's going to ultimately take for these numbers to start decreasing as opposed to increasing and we're actually seeing those numbers increase dramatically you know especially amongst the adolescent age groups um but you know, how do, how do we get those numbers to start going down? Probably the first thing that I would do that I think is the biggest contributor to suicide is uh, reducing our alcohol intake. Mm-hmm. Because it is, and, and, it, and whether it's alcohol or drugs, it's that fix. And it's that way that we celebrate ceremony. It's that way that we commiserate when we're sad. Alcohol and drugs are our go-to for everything, for happiness, for sadness. And so we're always looking for something that's clogging up our ability to think clearly. Mm -hmm. That, I think, is the leading. If If I could do something, it would be, I drink now. I didn't drink the first year after Andy passed at all okay. because I knew one drink, just one for me, could have given me the um, permission to mm. act on my emotions right. rather than making a cognitive decision. So that's the one thing I would start with is helping people to understand that pain is part of life, loss is part of life, mm-hmm. and you can't numb it, you can't... Um, you can't get around it. you got to go through it. Yeah. And you know what? I'm going to also just kind of incorporate my opinion on that as well. Um, along with, I agree with you, by the way, with the, the drugs and alcohol. Uh, but also, too, just pure education on the fact, you know, um, education on why we should be careful on the types of words we use or the 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 seriousness, I mean, the bullying, um, you know, educate folks on, on the severity of what bullying can do to folks. Uh, and that's of all ages, by the way, especially in the social media age. And, uh, and just educate people that this is not something that is abnormal. In fact, it's something that is more than normal. It's unfortunately, it's common. And, uh, and we need to kind of make people a little more aware of that. Because like you said, you never heard of suicide when you were uh, younger. I didn't either. I didn't think, I mean, I lost folks to suicide when I was younger, but it was almost like it was kept secret. You know, it was hush hush and, uh, and it's like, oh, they just died for whatever. Uh, you know, in fact, I had one cousin who died of a car accident for the longest time. I thought it was a car accident, but here it was actually uh, vehicular suicide, you know? Um, so it's one of those things when moments like that happen, um, that that's a perfect time for us to educate and and help someone learn about maybe the decision making that someone took. Yeah, um, and doing what yeah. you guys are doing. This is obviously this is part of it. Like yeah. you said, talking about it wherever we get a chance. I certainly do. I mean, mm-hmm. I wear my You Matter wristband yes. everywhere. 
people will comment on it, and I write out, I, I come out everywhere I can, I say, mm-hmm. I lost my son to suicide, and you know, yeah. so I'm not afraid to talk about it, I'm not ashamed to talk about it, and I do, I address it everywhere I go, mm-hmm. and, you know, my book talks about that, it, you know, it really talks about all the different things that I did, and, and how I you know, how we can make an impact on people's lives just every day, Most whether it's the barista or the valet parker or valet parker, you know, whoever it is. Sure, you, sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, since you brought up that, all that stuff up, the book, um, your wristbands, um, why don't we, you know, where can people find this stuff at? The wristbands are shipped. We'll ship them any amount you want free. We, we pay for shipping. You don't pay for wristbands. All you have to do is go to our website, fill out at andysunshine.com, fill out the wristband request form, and um, we'll ship them to you. We ship them all, Australia, you name it. Mm-hmm. They go everywhere. So you can have them for your school, for your business. doesn't matter to us. We think that's a really big ministry. So that's the best thing to do for the wristbands. And then my book, you can find it on Amazon or you can message me and it's how to live when you want to die. Okay. And um, they can message you. They can find you on Facebook. Yep. Um, they can find you what, on Instagram. I know you're on there. You have a Twitter account, mm-hmm. um, all those different places. Uh, also, Andy Sunshine, those are on Facebook and Instagram as well, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So all these different avenues, you can get in touch with Leanne. Um um, Howie, one more time. Uh, what is it? One eight hundred two seven three talk. Yep. Is that right? Eight hundred two seven three talk. Eight two five five is what talk stands for. Uh, because I don't think our cell phones have the letters on the numbers anymore. <laughs> and, then, and, uh, uh, and if you want to text, text, is seven four one seven four one. And uh, and I've actually tried the, the text line before because I want to see how it works. Because if I'm going to talk about it, I want to know how it works. And uh, and I did text. And somebody responded right away, and it was an actual live person, um, a live counselor that you know was uh, was on the other end. So um, it's it's a very handy tool, and uh, and I hope that people take advantage of it. It's free, and and it's and I think I told you this, Troy, that you know these numbers aren't just for when you're feeling suicidal. You know these numbers right. are. You might be feeling depressed right now, and, and you're and you just don't know where to turn, and you just need to talk to somebody. You know, it, it's for that as well. And uh, and Leanne, I, and I'm sure I'd be willing to bet, uh, bet the farm, for for example, that if somebody reached out to you, you would not hesitate to uh, have a chat with them, even if you had no clue who they were. I had a lady uh, message me, and she said that she had watched my, this is a different one, watched my YouTube video, and that I was her last hope, and she wanted to know if I would talk to her. I called her right away on Messenger, because oh. she lives in Cyprus, the island. Oh, my god! And we've become friends wow. now. She had lost her son to suicide, okay. and so, you bet, I'll call you. I will, oh. I will instantly get a hold of you. You know what? You just literally sent chills down my spine. I mean, that's just that that means a lot to me to to hear someone um, that's obviously passionate about what you're talking about. But um, but you're very genuine in how much you care about people. Uh, and that that means a lot to me. And, and I know Troy's along the same lines in regards to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so thank you so much for uh, coming. Thank on you board. guys for having me, nope. for making the time for this. Oh, really no problem, no problem. I we, we appreciate your time. Um, and one other thing I wanted to clear up: um, if 
when COVID ends or if it ends or if we get to a point where we can do this again. If people do want to have you for speaking engagements, how would they do that as well? Would that all be through Andy Sunshine or? Yes. Okay. I just, I thought so, but I just wanted to clear that up. Okay. And you know what? And this is, this is a question I had too for you, Leanne. Um, if somebody, like, how does that work? Cause I know schools are a little stringent when it comes to, uh, paying for speakers and so forth. How do you, like, is, is it grant funded for a lot of these institutions or, or how does that work? It depends. There've been some schools where they've said, we can't afford to pay you. That's why we do fundraising. Oh. So I never let money stop me from, if you want me to come and speak, money is never the issue. Okay. Obviously, I, if you have the funds, I want you to pay. Sure. If you don't, sure. we will figure it out. Okay. All right. That's awesome. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, once again, Leanne, thank you. And uh, it's nice talking to you again. And nice thank seeing you, you again. Great. Great to get it, you it was it was nice meeting you. Really appreciate your time, and uh, sorry for all your losses. And uh, it it just goes to show you how strong a person can be after everything you've been through. Mm -hmm. Thanks, thanks yeah. so much. You guys, take care. You as well. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye. All right, folks. As you uh, just heard the uh, interview with Leanne, I uh, hope you took a lot from it. Like I said, you know, this is this is something a little near and dear to my heart. You know, because I I talk about or I actually educate the uh, public in my area uh, on suicide prevention and uh, mental health in general uh, where you know go out there in fact if you if no matter where you live because this is all uh, countrywide if if you want to learn a little bit more about suicide prevention uh, look up what's called uh, QPR which is uh, which stands for question persuade refer that's Q P R question persuade refer and uh, and and you'll get like a, a little bit of a class on uh, suicide prevention. It's really um, beneficial, uh, especially for folks uh, that have loved ones or friends or family, whatever it may be. And let me tell you something. Uh, there's a good chance that you do, you know, because one out of every four of us uh, does have a mental health uh, diagnosis here in the United States. And so many folks, uh, you know, have died from suicide. And, you know, think about everybody knows someone from the military you know, even, uh, you know, within the last 20 years, we've lost, uh, I believe it was over 5,000 folks to combat-related deaths. Now, that's 5,000 to combat-related deaths. Over the same 20-year span, we've lost over 100,000 people in the military to suicide. You know, that number alone should be really alarming for folks. And, you know, I hate to I hate to be such a serious uh, person on this show, but, you know, this is something that we really need to start paying attention to uh, even more so, uh, you know, now, I think, because of with people isolating and, uh, you know, quarantining, you know, with that magic word of the year, I think, you know, those are things that we need to start paying attention to. So uh, a lot of people are dying by suicide, unfortunately, and uh Thankfully, we have people like Leanne Hall who is uh, continuing that journey of uh, helping and teaching people uh, through uh, tough moments like this. So uh, definitely reach out. Uh, in fact, uh, you heard it uh, here, folks. Uh, Leanne Hall even said, you know what? Find her on Facebook. Find her on social media and uh, friend her. She will not hesitate. And uh if you have any questions for her, she will not hesitate to talk with you about uh, anything that might be troubling, or maybe you're just looking for some information, uh, and she can lead you in that way. 
So also too, I know we mentioned it in the uh, interview, but uh, keep in mind, you know, there is a um, national hotline number out there. You know, it's 800-273-TALK or that's 800-273-8255. You can also uh, text crisis, uh, the crisis hotline at 741-741. Again, that's 741-741. And just text anything like, you know, I need help or, you know, you might even be texting them because you want to find out some information. Uh, Folks will hook you up on the other side. In fact, it'll be a crisis counselor that will respond. So, don't hesitate, guys. Uh, you know, this is a serious thing that we're dealing with. And uh, as Leanne said, this is a this is an epidemic and uh, folks are dying every day uh, to suicide. And it's something we need to address. So um, but yeah, so with that being said, uh, once again, thank you to Leanne Hall for uh, taking the time to talk with us uh, from her nice and hot Phoenix home where she said that she's been going through a lot of 120 uh, 20 degree days, which uh, I just cannot imagine. Although I'll be honest with you, uh, I think I would prefer to what we're experiencing now here in central PA where it's like 40 degrees right now. Uh, it's way too cold for me anyway. So uh but yeah, with that being said, folks, uh, once again, uh, thank you again, Leanne, uh, and uh, thanks again, Troy, and uh, hopefully uh, you're enjoying your vacation as we speak, and uh, until next week, oh, by the way, speaking of next week, we have a really special guest uh, for you already lined up, in fact, uh, already recorded, we just gotta put it all together for you next week, it's, um, you know, it's... It's going to be a, a country singer songwriter out of uh, out of uh, Nashville. So it's uh, Taylor Marie Wagner, and wait until you hear uh, the types of people that she has collaborated with. Uh, she's got some big names on that list, and uh, and she's a much bigger deal than I even anticipated uh, going into this interview. So wait until you hear that interview and uh, learn what she's all about, and. Uh, very down-to-earth girl, too, for, for the success that she's already uh, achieved. So I appreciate that about folks, and uh, and she's no exception to the rule. But anyway, with that being said, folks, uh, thanks again for uh, listening to another week of Stay Tuned. And also, uh, guys, we're approaching 900 listeners, uh, and, uh, you know, I never fathomed this early in our uh I guess in quotes career on podcast I never thought that we would get to to uh, 800 much less approaching 900 this soon into our journey so uh, thanks again folks for uh, listening to us and uh, you know we appreciate all your support and all your feedback keep it coming keep us keep listening to us keep us saved in your your listening uh you know, whatever you want to call it, your uh, song tracks, uh, whatever it is on your podcast platform, I guess keep us favorited is what I should be saying. So, but yeah, thanks again, guys. And uh, until next time, hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll enjoy your week. Stay warm if you're here in Pennsylvania and stay cool if you're out where Leanne is uh, in Phoenix, Arizona, where it's over 100 degrees. So, um, wherever you are, guys, stay comfortable. Take care, and till next time, stay tuned. Thank you for listening to another episode. Please like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at StayTunedTNH. Email us, StayTunedTNH at gmail.com. 
And uh, whichever podcast avenue you're listening to us on, Google, Apple, Spotify, uh, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And until next week, stay tuned.